0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: Welcome to Hockey Central at noon on this, a Calgary Flames game day. Peter Klein, Will not Logan Gordon with you today as we get set for the Flames and the Habs today. Uh, Always fun when you get these two uh, very old rivals going head-to-head. So looking forward to breaking this one down. Early start today as the Flames are out east. We'll get to all of that as the day goes along. But without any further ado, let's chat with our Flames Insider.
2: Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius. Brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit geminigroup.ca.
1: Mr. Labardius, how are you today, sir?
2: I uh, could not be better. I could not be better.
1: It... it I understand, like, the, the times that these teams met in the playoffs happened before I was born, but there's just something about facing the Montreal Canadiens, isn't there?
2: Well, I, I agree with you. Um, listen, if for those who've never been to Montreal to begin with, for those of you who have never been to a game in Montreal, the only way I can describe it with how those people and the fans of the Canadians and the atmosphere under normal circumstances is it always feels way bigger than just hockey. Um, It's almost like religion. And so it's arguably my favorite place to watch hockey, be around it, just because if you're an all-in type of person, Uh, You don't have to look very far to feel, hear, see, understand the unbelievable passion. And I think it really draws everyone in who's been lucky enough to feel it from up close
1: and from a a Flames perspective tonight as they get ready to take on Montreal for what is their home opener, which seems weird. Um, But uh, I'm guessing that the message should be, let's see more of Sunday's game than the last game that we saw.
2: Well, I don't know if we have it ready to go, but let's just start with how I thought we were going to kick things off with the captain. And this was a very prevalent message today today coming out of the availability
1: the message today is just we got to get back to our game I think uh, there's little little details that we can be a lot better at Um, and that's you got to take it one game at a time I know it's an old cliche but we feel like we played some pretty good periods there against Toronto but we come out with no points in in two games so um, they're all big because like I said you can gain and you can lose ground pretty quickly but Uh, The message tonight is just to get back to our game, get back to our identity, and we'll be fine.
2: And that really, we've
1: talked... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Whether it was the head coach today, whether it was the captain today, uh, whether it's Michael Backlund today, coming out of the game on Tuesday, and yes, as we talked about yesterday, were there some things to like? Absolutely. Absolutely. But let me ask you this, would you say that the Flames, and let's understand the reconstruction and the new faces and it's early and all of that, would you say that you know right now what to expect from this group in terms of consistency?
1: Consistency is such a key word with this group, right? Because on like there are nights where it's, all right, this team is one of the best. And then there are nights where it's, all right, where did that team go? So finding that consistency, um, we, we've talked about it, Lou, you and I, for a couple of years, it feels like, that that is such a key word with this group.
2: Yeah, it most certainly is. It most certainly is. and And I think they're building towards that. And this trip, in its own way, will provide, you know, five very important games where your team game, more than anything, needs to find consistency.
1: And one thing that, while we're talking about consistency, one thing that is changing tonight is between the pipes. Uh, David Riddick gets the call, and when I guess kind of looping in that subject of consistency, that is what you want when you are calling upon your backup goalie. Just let us know that we can trust what you are going to bring to the table. Let us be comfortable with putting you in. And uh, it is now time for, for Riddick to kind of prove that he can provide that tonight.
2: Yeah, and Peter, in all sincerity, I think there's a very distinct reason why tonight is the night for David Riddick. And we go back and forth. We go back and forth on this radio station. We did it on the post-game show the other night in terms of when do we need to see him, what's the plan. You know why I truly think tonight is the night? Who has been the most consistent Calgary Flame through the first five games?
1: Uh, Probably Jacob Markstrom, or uh, Markstrom or Lindholm, probably.
2: Jacob Markstrom, in many ways. In the Mika Kiprasov era, the greatest thing about having an elite level goaltender like Mika Kiprasov is it gives you a chance every single night. Sometimes the downside to having somebody that can, in a sense, no pun intended, mask some of your problems is that for goaltending, if you're building a great team, that can't be the guy that you depend on so much to dine out for with every meal. Your team game needs to be in order. What happens with the 18 guys in front matters as much, if not more than anything. So really good goaltending. When you think about trying to build a championship team, is it incredibly important? Yes. Has Brad Treleving, by landing Jacob Markstrom, has he given a house with a shaky foundation in some respects? A better place to you know put the foundation in absolutely but if you are relying on that player and that aspect of your game for all your meals it's not going to get you to where you want to go so coming out of a stretch of games five games you're looking for consistency The message today from the coach and the two players and the availability was we need to be better as a team. So you have to play David at some point, but isn't it a great way to find out about your team game by, in a sense, putting the onus on your group? And it's like learning how to swim. In order to learn, yes, you start the process, you wear water wings or, you know, whatever you need. But at a certain point in building the foundation of your team and understanding your team, you got to dive into the pool. Well, without Jacob Markstrom and a very capable David Riddick who will be chomping at the bit, we're going to get – to find out a little bit more against a very good team about your team and your team play because there's no Jacob tonight not to say that I won't be watching David but Peter what I'll really be watching for is if David is a part of the equation not if he's a massive part of the equation So that's why I think tonight is the night. It's not as much for me about getting them in and it needs to be time and all of that. This is, to me, a perfect time because you need to find out more about your group and build your team game. And if your team game doesn't get to a better place fast, the other... It's significant. It's going to keep you around in games, but it's going to be hard to get to the places you want to go.
0: So, Lou, would you have not gone to Riddick tonight had Tuesday gone a little differently for the whole group?
2: No, it doesn't matter to me. In okay. fact, well, as I just tried to lay out for you, it's completely the opposite. When I've thought about it in the last 24, 48 hours, It's exactly what I talked about. It's not about necessarily David and seeing David. It's about doing whatever you can to understand your team and how it is fitting and your team game. I need my team to be really, really good. It's great to have one of the best goalies in the sport. But I have to know and i have to i have to learn really fast and so so don't you think there's merit in kind of that philosophy about you you're, you're going to learn not just about david but in a sense you've taken away you know the life raft
0: right yeah yeah you've taken out that kind of the thing that has really calmed a lot of things down here, and and I like what the way you've, you've kind of put it here in terms of trying to see how your group reacts, because uh, we talked about it off the earlier this week, Lou, but you, you take that game Sunday, you put that on the table 10 times out of 10, you're probably winning more often than you're losing, and it's trying to find that game and, and not relying on that steady goaltender behind that to find that, right?
2: That's it. That's it. Your team game, I know I've said it about four times, that needs to be in order. It can't be what you dine out on every single meal. It's a great thing to have. Hey, listen, I love my favorite meals too. But your team game, and it's not an easy year, you've got lots of new pieces, you're looking for new fits, You're asking for some different things from different people. But the one guy I truly feel that right now I don't need much more of a book on is Jacob Markstrom. But I certainly don't have a lot of other completed answers. And until my team game, and this team has come a long way, I think since the summer, But it's not about completely relying on your goalie. It's great to have one of the best goalies in the league. But you guys, don't you kind of see the parallel to whether it's been Carey Price in Montreal, all the great years we got out of Mika Kiprasov? Doesn't it kind of, in a sense, mask some other things?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, as we've kind of stated, through five games, um, the this team has done some things well, but having that guy back there really does kind of mask things. And when we talk about Mika Kiprasov, well, when we talk about how... Um, how maybe he's been able to, or how maybe he was able to drag some of those teams kicking and screaming into the playoffs, and you wonder how things might have been built differently if you don't have that rock solid guy there. And uh, I think the the comparison with Carey Price is apt as well.
2: I find most of the time our greatest strengths can be our greatest weaknesses, and it's awesome to have elite level goaltending and it can get you to some pretty awesome places. But you take a look at even the championship-caliber teams, yes. Andre Vasilevsky is one of the best goalies in the league. Tukarask has been one of the best goalies in the league. You know, Corey Crawford was a big part of what occurred with the Chicago Blackhawks. St. Louis did have a great run from Jordan Bennington. But, guys, when you think about those and the composition of those teams, did you ever come away feeling like they won championships because they're goaltending? Didn't you feel like it glued it all together as opposed to it was, you know, the one thing that you just could rely on? Maybe you guys see it different, but that's how I see it. I see that as an incredibly important piece of the puzzle, but it can't be the whole puzzle.
1: Yeah, and th- there have been too many times, like you say, it- it's too easy to-, to rely on some of that, and it masks uh, a lot of the issues that some kind, times can-, can pop up. Um, one of the other issues the Flames have been having, and again, we, we talk about consistency, Michael Backlund has been a model of that over his time with the Calgary Flames not so much over the first five games and I'm sure he would be the the first to tell you that, that this has been a bit of a shaky start to the year for him uh, what have you seen from Michael Backlund and I guess what are you hoping to see from Michael Backlund going forward
2: well let me just say I'm not worried about Michael Backlund I, I'm not Would I suggest that he's in a bit of a funk yes would I say that you know look at the last two games in terms of ice time you had to get to game 68 of last season to find his ice time at those particular levels. Now, are there reasons for that? Yes. You have Elias Lindholm and a different pairing that you've created, um, which is going to potentially take away some of that time. So that's one of the reasons. However, I go back to it a million times and that is, When Michael Backlund is at the top of his game, it gives you matchup advantages. And to this point, I don't think Michael's quite been at the top of his game. In fact, one of the lineup potential changes tonight in terms of again a bit of a reconstruction has Josh Levo potentially moving to a different spot with Kachuk and Lindholm and guess, guess where plug and play is going back to potentially. And that's Andrew Mangiapane to play with Michael Backlund because against this very deep Montreal team, I need everybody and, and I'm looking for balance and I'm looking for good matchups. And so Michael Backlund is a massively important piece of this hockey team. But there's been some changes, changes, utilization. It, it, it's, always, it's always difficult, especially when potentially it affects your own responsibilities. But I'm not worried about Michael, because Michael has always shown that can he have some tough stretches where maybe... You know, it's not going great. Look at last year. Last year is a perfect example. Jeff Ward and company moved him to the wing for a pretty decent chunk of time, guys. Remember that? How did he respond? Mm -hmm. He had 28 points in his last 28 games and was arguably the team's best forward down the stretch. Michael Backlund will respond. And when he is a really good player, this team doesn't lose very often. And that's not to say that I think he hasn't been a real good player, but has he been at the top of his game? Listen to him. I'll let him decide where he thinks he is right now.
0: Personally feel like I'm better too. So, uh, starts right there. And, um, uh, I feel, um, I mean, last game was not good enough. um, on too many goals too um but you know we gotta look forward a uh, big game tonight uh, two big games here in montreal and uh, we gotta come out hard at first and uh you know we gotta set the tone for the team uh bringing that energy and um helping those guys other guys out
1: and lou guys, they're, they're gonna need him oh sorry go ahead
2: guys michael backland is one of your glue guys he, he, he nine out of every 10 games is somebody that Jeff Ward can look at on his bench, use in every situation. And he glues so much of this group together. He's really important. He's really, really important. And it's kind of like Jacob Markstrom. We don't have to worry about Jacob Markstrom. When Michael Backlund is at his best, and you don't have to worry or have any concern about his play, this team's just way better.
1: And they're going to need to be way better as they are facing a real good Montreal Canadiens team right now. Um, some people had high expectations for them coming in. I don't know if I was expecting about five goals a game from this team early on, but holy smokes, the the Flames, what we talk about getting back to your A game, they're going to need it tonight because this Habs team has found theirs.
2: Well, they have, and there's some reasons for why they have. And it's interesting that the two coaches of this team, I think, have really, really similar philosophies in what they're trying to build. So give Mark Bergevin a boatload of credit. Um, The Canadians' blue line has been very much in question for a number of years. But what's happened? Well, you have one of the game's best for a long time in Shea Weber, who at 35 years of age has kind of even changed his role a little bit. You added Ben Sherratt. No one talks enough about Ben Sherratt. And those two are a miserable pairing to play against. They're no fun. And Ben Sherratt's elevation of his game in the last couple of years has given you a terrific shutdown type of pairing that you can use against anyone jeff petrie probably isn't talked about enough um and he is playing some of his best hockey at 33 years of age but here's a couple of key key ones the addition of former st louis blue stanley cup champion joel edmondson again big hard has won nasty to play against with petrie Nice balance. And a young man you're going to get to know and maybe love or not love is Alexander Romanov, who played in back-to-back years for the Russians at the World Junior. This guy is Compete with a capital C. He is in the fabric. He skates. But I love his tenaciousness. He's passionate. He competes. And Claude Julien is already been using this young man in the neighborhood of 20 minutes a game. So along with a uh, pretty good goalie and Kerry Price, you have great, great stability now to build your game from the goal out. And on top of that, well, now you add Josh Anderson. You add Tyler Toffoli. Grit, size, added to the scoring with a group of centermen that features two young and up-and-comers in Suzuki and Kachanemi, and now even in a fourth-line spot is Jake Evans, and not unlike Michael Backlund, you know who's the glue in the middle in Montreal, Philip Denot. So there's a lot of similarity tonight. There's it's it's a great matchup, uh, and I can't wait to see it play out for the next two games.
0: What about the uh, matchups that you're looking for tonight on the ice, uh, Mister Lubardius? Kind of the head-to-head matchups here, because it has been a huge story and it will continue to be as we watch these teams do battle nine, ten times each.
2: Well, well, in both cases, as Jeff Ward will talk about tonight on the Coach Up- coaches show, you know, you're always looking for matchups. Well, but you know what allows you to play the matchups the way you want to? You have to be able to dictate to your opponents. And I see two teams, when they're going well, have the ability to roll four groups and three pairings. So what I will be looking for is not necessarily any specific matchups until I see how the game plays itself out. But who starts to dictate? And you start to dictate because your groups are outplaying the other groups. So, Claude Julien has last change to begin, but I see similarities in how both coaches want to employ their groups. We're about to find out between these two longtime friends and, and coaching partners which team allows the other to dictate to
1: who can't wait for this one Uh, montreal is a team that i've enjoyed watching so far this year and when the flames are on it's been fun to watch them as well we'll see which flames team shows up tonight lou fun as always sir we'll chat about this all tomorrow
2: thanks guys have a great afternoon Flames Insider, Peter Lubartius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit geminigroup.ca.
1: We've only started with the goalie conversation. We have Kevin Woodley and his chat with Pinder coming up next.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.
1: Continuing on a Calgary Flames game day as they get set to take on the Montreal Canadiens, the goaltending position in the spotlight here in Calgary over the first few games of the regular season. Markstrom has been dynamite. We'll see what Riddick can provide tonight. Goaltending, obviously a major discussion in every NHL market, which is why Kevin Woodley joins Ryan Pinder every week. Let's hear that conversation now.
3: Time for our weekly chat with our goaltending guru. Kevin Woodley of In Goal Magazine, at Kevin is in Goal on Twitter. Uh, what's going on, Kev? How are you, man?
4: I'm good. I'm good. In between back-to-backs here between the Canucks right. and the uh, Senators, who are very much making good on the predictions that they would be the punching bag for the North here right now. Tough to, tough to watch them right now. It's, um, it feels in listening to some of the Zoom calls, too, around that team, that there were some higher expectations internally and maybe in that market um and they have really struggled to meet them in the early going.
3: yeah i thought they'd be awful they've been awful but there, there were the odd uh people around that organization and i don't know they this they, they're gonna surprise some people uh the only surprise is they beat the leafs game one austin matthews after the game said that's a good team over there and since then they've not looked like a good team uh outscored 12 to 2 by what looked like a fragile canucks group over their last two games real quick let's start there just a thought on um, what this has meant for the Canucks to uh, three in a row against the Sens, and it's it's not been close the first two.
4: Well, it's a, it, this has been a get well card, right? And uh, they could be that for a lot of teams. Vancouver was limping badly uh, into this series, um, you know, to the point where we had, we had talk about the general manager's future in the opening weeks of the season here in this market. Um, never changed, Vancouver, um, and the Sens basically the the opening night. It was all Vancouver. Last night, to be honest with you, actually, both nights. If not th- for Thatcher Demko, we're having a different conversation this morning. Yeah. Um, you know, As much as I talked about the Sens being a get-well card, they outshot Vancouver 24-7 to in the first period last night, carried the play, controlled the play, and there were five or six really good opportunities in that first period, and Demko was, was up to it. And, you know, even in the game before that, when Vancouver had an early lead... Um, you know, two breakaway stops. So they're still bleeding rush chances, um, but there has been signs that things are turning around here. Last night, the uh, the top line, the Lotto line, the Pedersen Miller Besser line got off a little bit uh, in the second period after a woeful first. And so there are some signs here, and yet um, it's not done in Vancouver. That line is still turning the puck over too much. They're still bleeding chances. Ten high danger chances a game. Uh, more than half of that is off the rush. Like they're averaging five. Uh, high danger, odd man rush chances a game. We've seen two on O's. We've seen breakaways. We've seen a lot of beer league level defending to this point.
2: Mm-hmm. And so,
4: you know, beating the Sens like a drum too straight uh, makes it look like all those problems have been solved. But I would say uh, goaltending actually masked a fair bit of them. So it's, it's, it, it's not completely turned around here yet. And against the Sens, I guess it doesn't matter. You can maybe get away with a little more of it.
3: No question, and on the other side of things, the goaltending hasn't been masking anything in Ottawa. Matt Murray, a four four seven goals against Marcus Hoberg, four thirty three. Uh, I believe their team save percentage is in the eight sixties. Like this is not good at all. Where were you on Matt Murray? I remember you talking to you about him in the off season, and you you thought that this guy needed. Um, sort of a revolutionary change the way he's played has has he undergone one is he still a guy playing a technique that doesn't work in today's NHL where were you at on the transaction and where is he at
4: see that's the thing I haven't changed my mind on him and and, and it's actually fairly positive and the results just aren't there yet um, and you know it's interesting uh, I was on uh, one of the zoom calls and credit to the sense because after that 7-1 game uh, and and post game their coach was pretty critical of him. He, he said like we didn't it wasn't as bad as it looked on the scoreboard. We just every time we turned it over and they did a lot, but every time they turned it over the puck went in the net. And he he you know he used that phrase like three or four times during during his post game and it was pretty pointed. Well credit to the team and the Sens and Matt Murray they brought him out the next day and that's the one thing about this Zoom world you sort of can pick and choose you know who you feed to the wolves and Matt Murray was there to answer the questions and one of the ones I asked at the end I I found the the answer a little eyebrow raising I asked him if the changes he was making and I can see them and I think they are going to pay off and I think they were necessary and I believe they have his buy-in on it um but I asked him if they were instinctual yet and he said no he's still out there thinking and so I don't know how many of your listeners are as old as me, so I'm going to date myself here, but there's that, that old Top Gun reference. If you think out there, you're dead. And Matt Murray's a guy who's still consciously thinking about some of the changes he's making in his game. And, and again, uh, like I watched the first period, and I liked the way he was moving. The puck kept ending up in the net, but there were elements of his game that weren't there before that are... And now it's just going to be a matter of allowing that to become instinctual, to become natural, to not be something he's thinking about while he's playing, which is a tough spot to be. I said going into this year that I thought the changes he needed to make and was in the process of making would take time. And that this was going to be, despite all the talk in Ottawa about a quick turnaround, that that might be tough for him. That the payoff might be further into the season, especially with no exhibition. And he's clearly feeling the pressure. He talked about it the other day. And that only, like, pressure increases tension. And tension, it's like a golfer going on the back nine on Sunday. You made a swing change, right? How many times do we hear that on PGA Tour? You get to the back nine on Sunday. You've made this massive swing change. And all of a sudden, you see a guy with a double cross, right, because the old swing comes back there's still a little bit of that for Matt Murray. I know it's a strange analogy for people, but like, for example, um, there was one early goal where he's moving well, he's moving well, he goes into a new post integration that I know is new to him, that I watched them work on in practice, and he just misses his post by half an inch. Like, just misses his spot by that little bit. And that's the difference between being able to launch back off that post into a save, and in in the case of what happened, it was a low-high pass, and a high-danger pass and a high-danger chance off a brutal giveaway by Thomas Chabot, who has been terrible in the early going as well in terms of puck management. But instead of being able to pop off that post into the puck, Matt misses it by a little bit, and that push off, his pad slips inside the post, and now he's stuck in one spot, and he doesn't get a push. So, like, we're talking half an inch here, half an inch there, and with so many changes in his game it might be half a season before those half inches disappear and he's spot on with a lot of these things. But despite all those numbers and a lot of people that are going to tell me I'm crazy right now, I like the changes, and I think he's very capable of handling all this and getting back to where he was with those changes. The problem is going to be patience. And, again, in a market that seems to be, you know, have higher expectations for this team than I think the rest of us do.
3: Yeah, no, that's fair. By the way, I think that's two Top Gun references in the last three weeks. We, we might have to keep a running tally here. I'm a little worried. I'm getting disturbed.
4: Oh, this this could be. Wait till they bring up. Wait till we finally get the new movie. I have uh, to say this. The first time I actually used that because it's a good line. If you think out there, you're dead. It's perfect for goaltending. <laughs> the first time I did it was for Roberto Luongo, and he looked at me like I had two heads. And like he's not that much younger than me, but he's <laughs> never seen the movie. I was so disappointed. I crushed. I was crushed.
3: I kind of just had the same look on my face, and I have seen the movie, so I don't know if that's worse or better. Um, Let's go to Jacob Markstrom. I'm here to
4: entertain. What can I say?
3: You're doing a good job. Uh, Prized free agent signing of the Flames. We've seen, uh, I think, some really good net mining from, I think, a stretch. When you look at the second game of the year, the shutout um, against Vancouver, the third game of the year, both goals from Vancouver off uh, deflections, and then the, uh, the, the, the fourth game, the third of the homestand, uh, where, again, it was only redirected pucks in that loss to Toronto. had been beaten by a clean puck uh, for three full games. I, I thought he's looked good, um, but, again, you're the guru. What have you made of Markstrom, and how much should we be reading into numbers five games into the year?
4: Well, you know, to be honest, um, this is going to be the tough part, is, is when the Canucks are at home, it's tough to watch everything else, right? So I haven't been able to watch all the games. I've watched highlights. I've gone through the film. Uh, ClearSight Analytics not only gives me some, uh, some of the best numbers out there in terms of adjusting for shot quality, um, but they've got a nice little video player. So I can call up the types of plays he's struggling with and click a button, and boom, I've got I've got all eight shots he's faced of that of that. Uh, shot type. So I've had a good look here. Interestingly enough, I'm, I'm actually glad I had a look at his numbers before the Toronto game. I was sort of trying to do a catch-up heading, uh, heading into this week, and he was right where I expected him to be, a little ahead of where he was, adjusted save percentage um, last year overall. So, so you know, outperforming last year's uh, performance, which was, which was Vesna worthy um, And the numbers took a hit. Um, so, top three. He was top three at that point. The numbers took a hit in that Toronto game. And the reason they took a hit in that Toronto game is there was one low-percentage goal. And those are the goals that Jacob didn't give up at all last season. That's the biggest difference in his game from the Markstrom that went on waivers three years ago to the Markstrom that should have been in that Vesna conversation last year is... No bad goals, and the interesting thing here is most people won't see it as a bad goal. Um, can you even guess which one I'm talking about against Toronto would, would qualify as a low percentage goal? Well,
3: I, I don't think it can be the Simmons one. Um, the, the Marner one maybe, but he got it off so quick, and I, I maybe I'll tell you, see. I'll
4: tell, you. know, I'll just stop you just for the.
3: Okay. It, it's the Simmons one. Nah, and that's crazy because, I mean, look, it's a that's shot a, designed that, to create the, a rebound, it, and then it's the it's second the rebound that shot. goes in.
4: It's the initial shot along the ice. Okay. Um, if you go go back and watch the film in slow-mo, he doesn't get set. He's off angle, and that prevents him from getting a stick on that shot. I'm not well, and that's an important an distinction play. too,
3: Kev. Like, like, that's important because I'm thinking of the third shot.
4: And yeah, no, to your I, point, the there is, no is the third bad shot. rebound is, the, yeah. is what creates it. So, because yeah, okay. he put himself in that spot off a low percentage shot, it gets tagged as a low percentage goal. And that's tough, right? Because you're right. Hell of a second save getting across on Simmons. And that's what yeah. Jacob Barkstrom gives you explosive athleticism and a hell of a play by Simmons to be able to tap it back in and get it underneath the pad. Like, it should have been one for the highlight reels. But if you really break it down and you really slow it down, that first puck. You want that off the glass. Um, it's along the ice. If it's if it's a couple feet, if it's if it's like halfway up his pad, like that's the difference. If that shot is halfway up his pad, it's forgiven because it's along the ice. You know, you should at this level, from that distance, that shot be able to control that rebound better, and that's where it gets judged. And maybe that that's going to sound harsh to a lot of people, but that's how we weight this these statistics. So, yeah. um, and, and like I said, up until that point, top three in the league. The problem right now is we're at a sample size where one night like that um, can change everything. Uh, You know, it was Mitch Corner once told me you can't, you need to give it 20 games for all this stuff to filter out to really see where you're at with your goaltending. Well, that's almost half a season this year, so that's tough. Um, At the end of the day, He's been really good. You talked about it. The, the only numbers that are sort of below expected are the broken plays, and sometimes that's just a matter of bad luck, all the bounces that are going against him and in the net right now, and breakaways. A little bit below expected on breakaways, two out of six so far, but that's actually something that I don't think will change. Um, it's one of the reasons I like to fit in Calgary. If you, put him on a, if you put him on the Canucks this year where there's five breakaways a game, he'd be in trouble. It's not a strength. Uh, But everything else has been Jacob Markstrom as expected. Uh, A lot of puck handles, aggressive with his puck handling. There might be some mistakes there. Do not, as a fan base, overreact to the mistakes because the aggressiveness, the assertive with the puck handling, not only does it help his defense, but it really helps him get into games like the other night where there wasn't a lot of shots. It's a strength. Don't, if it happens pounce on the mistakes because it's something that he needs to keep doing he's really good at it and it's something that's sort of underrated in his game
3: john gibson off to the best start in the nhl this year given the the lack of run support and the the stingy numbers is that fair
4: uh you know what him and mark andre fleury are in the same conversation because wow. he's yeah i mean flowers had a hell of a start um just not in as big a workload so gibson probably surpasses him there but that's how good mark andre fleury has been and interestingly enough uh, for whatever reason, similar work, like similar run support. Like Vegas hasn't been scoring for him. He's winning games, won nothing. Um, but Gibson, and Gibson is an interesting case, right, because the first couple of games weren't pretty. And he plays this style. He's a real high-skill talent guy. Like there's a, it's a sliding scale between your reliance on technique on one end and your reliance on skill on the other. And every goalie sort of fits in a different spot along that sliding scale. Gibson is high towards the talent skill end and, and away from technique. And so every time he has some rough games, like he did at the beginning of the season, you hear from goalie analysts who are who just, you know, yeah, there's something I don't like his game. And what's interesting is in talking to the goalie coach there's uh, Sudarshan Maharaj, um, Sudsy, uh, he hears that. He's aware of it. There are a lot of goalie coaches that would like to see him become a more technical goaltender. But Sudsy feels like if you do that to John Gibson, you risk losing that incredible skill and raw talent and ability. Like it's a matter of finding that balance. Too much technique for him might not be a good thing. And so he struggles for the first couple of games. He hasn't played in 10 months. That's natural. Guys who rely more heavily on skill rely more heavily on rhythm and timing. And not playing as long as he did, and no preseason, no exhibition, what's going to be off? Rhythm and timing. And so there were a lot of people wolves at the door in those first couple of games. I saw it online. Since then, he's been best goalie in the NHL, and I think that's it's a real important reminder. It's one I had to give myself. Like I see the technical side of the game. More than anything, that's it's the easiest thing to pick out. Like, oh, you know, he missed his post here, uh, bad. You know, I just talked about it with Markstrom, didn't get his feet set, was flat along the goal line, off angle on that low shot, made his life tougher than it should have been on an easy shot, gave up a rebound goal. Those are easy. Um, the the skill stuff with, with Gibson, like that's that's where a goalie coach like, like Sudsey separates himself, like the ability to say listen, man, like I don't want to lose this guy. I don't want to lose what makes him special by trying to fit him in the same technical box as everyone else. And you're seeing now that Gibson's got his feet under him and and, and is feeling good about his game and the rhythm and the timing are back and that skill is shining through like that. That's who he is. Now the downside is there are typically speaking going to be wider swings with a goaltender like that. Like that foundation, the technical. if technique is your foundation and he, rely, he has a little less of it and relies less on it, it also means more ups and downs in a season, wider swings, um, you know, a little less consistency. And again, when the skill is as high as Gibson, it's a, trade, you, a trade-off you live with, but it's something you have to be aware of and cognizant of when you're evaluating him. There's going to be a dip and you can't overreact to it because you're seeing just how high is the highs can be for him.
3: What have you seen uh, in Edmonton where they lost Mike Smith and we don't really have much in the way of news? It's eerily quiet on that front. Why and how long? And what it's left them with in and uh, a guy who you liked had some really strong under-the-radar numbers last year in a limited role, but all of a sudden he, he's their only option. And, and, they, geez, boy, could they use a goalie.
4: Yeah, and 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 Troy Grosnick should be out of uh, quarantine now. Uh, we told that story last week about how they had him stop at the border and wait because they had a claim in on Arendell. It's you know a tough situation. And hey, listen, they got to own the fact they put themselves in it uh, in terms of bringing back Mike Smith and and the risks of it. But you know, again, what I, I was told, this is just a, a really you know, bad luck fluke injury. Um, and nobody, I, I didn't see Forsberg getting claimed, so I, I'll give them a little bit of a break there. Listen, Koskinen hasn't lived up to last year's numbers. He's a little below expected, but if you if you know his game, that's almost to be expected. Like as much as he was underrated last year for the, the performance he had, um, the thing about about Miko is he loves to work and he needs to work. Um, but when you're playing as much as he is right now, you lose that ability to spend that extra time with the goalie coach. It's one of those things that it's part of the transition to being a true one. And it's a tough balance. You lose the ability and the time and the extra time to manage your game because you have to focus more on managing your rest. And Miko's a guy that loves to stay out, get out early with the goalie coach, stay out late with the goalie coach. Like he grinds. And that's one of the reasons he's, you know, he's improved steadily over his couple of years with the Oilers. And, you know, frankly, um, you know, after a contract that a lot of people were just ready to crap on, outperformed it last year statistically. But to put him in that Pier 1 role and lose that time with the goalie coach, and frankly lose all time, like their practices have been negatively affected by this, both for the players as well, because you can't afford to get him hurt. You can't take any risks of him overextending on a backdoor chance in a goalie drill and pulling a groin. Um, they've even had to have kid gloves on with Skinner in practice. Like, it's, it's a really tough situation. So uh, you're seeing his performance dip. I don't think it makes him less of a goaltender, but it's probably a sign that, you know, and, and if not now, then when, that he really is a guy who's more 1A slash 1B than peer 1, that he's not going to be able to be your workhorse every second night, go, go, go guy. You're going to need to have somebody to spell him and balance him if you want to keep getting the best out of him. And, and if you know, like I said, his, his, his preference for that extra work, you're probably not surprised by that.
3: Final one for you, if you, uh, when you doze off and uh, fall asleep in your dreams, which character in Top Gun are you? <laughs>
4: oh, I mean, like, you have to be Maverick. No, everybody's probably, like, the sad part is I'm probably Goose, who dies halfway through. <laughs> oh,
3: jeez, come
4: on. You know, you know like, oh. always the wingman, what can I you're say? You're
3: thinking, you're thinking you're dead, you're Goose.
4: Yeah, that's right. See? And then believe me, as anybody who's ever played beer league with me, and then when I do my hits here in Vancouver on the radio, and every time one of my teammates hears me and they introduce me as a goalie expert, they just text the crap out of me like, they should see you play. Believe me, there's a lot of thinking when I get in between the pipes, and a lot of bad goaltending as a result.
3: Yeah, the guy with the seven and a half GAA giving tips to the pros. Thanks, Kev.
4: (laughs) Paralysis by analysis, that would be me. But hey, it works in this environment, right? At least something works for me.
3: Hey, you're doing great. We love the chats weekly. Can't wait till next week. We'll have uh, quite a body of work for the Flames to talk about. As they have two in Montreal, three in Winnipeg. And uh, this, this North Division ain't boring. In there, good, right? good for storylines, right? Yeah, good stuff. Chat, then, thanks, man. Okay, yeah, all the best. Kevin Woodley in Goal Magazine.
1: And we replay those conversations every Thursday here on Hockey Central at noon. That is going to do it for the program today. Uh, Once again, thanks to Woodley and thanks to Lubo. If you missed those, they're up on sportsnet.ca slash 960. All of the show has been coming out of the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Control's expertise. It's Iconic. Contact them today at iconicec.ca. We continue to break down flames and habs tonight with a little bit of baseball sprinkled in as the big show starts next.